Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey guys, well, welcome to the Healthy Night Podcast. Did you know that one of the biggest challenges for couples in this world that we live in is fertility? And Dr. Sonia Jensen and I are going to dive into this uh, discussion today, highlight some of the ideals uh, around looking at hormonal health, looking at relationships, and some of the obstacles that many people are facing. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a hot topic. It's, it's becoming more of an issue, in mm-hmm. fact, and you're seeing it more and more in your practice as well. Um, and the last few weeks we've talked about progesterone and some of the challenges around the monthly cycle and obviously psychoregulation is a big part of uh, the things that show up in a woman's cycle and that correlate with fertility. Um, so if this is content that you're loving, like this is super important information for couples, whether you're in that phase moving into fertility or not, but if you do enjoy this content, thank you so much for the comments. Thank you for subscribing and liking all this content. It's, uh, it gets us excited to talk about. So uh, let's, w- let's open up, you know, the, the whole discussion around fertility, like where do you start helping women uh, highlight some of this uh, and maybe even before, when did you start thinking about fertility? Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, yeah, when did you start thinking about fertility? So I'll speak to the challenge first. I think the challenge for us, women, I'll speak from a women's perspective, is we don't actually start thinking about it until like all of a sudden there's this urge and the clock might feel like it's ticking and it feels like it's time to start a family and then all of a sudden we want it yesterday. And I feel like I was kind of the same. And after we got married, we opened our clinic and I always knew I wanted to be a mom. And But as soon as it felt like it was time, as you probably remember, I had the LH strips out and I'm like, okay, it's ready, it's go time. We gotta make this baby. So I didn't actually give it a lot of thought beforehand. And it wasn't until I was about to get pregnant with our second, with Soren, that um, because of my experience with my birth with um, our first child, that I started thinking about pregnancy more. So I started to learn more. I started working with pregnant women more um, and also with women trying to prepare them for their pregnancy because I learned through experience what was important. And I still see that today with all my patients. They are coming to me either they're already working with a fertility clinic or they've had some miscarriages. Um, it's rare that somebody comes to me beforehand. It's starting to happen. I think there's more conversations around it, which is really important that we start to understand we need to prepare six months, a year. I mean, really everything we're doing leading up to that moment of conception is going to influence that pregnancy, the health of us and the child. But uh, we're not taught these things and Mm -hmm. we don't think about them because that's not at the forefront of our thoughts in that moment. We're just moving through life. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it'd be helpful to talk a little bit about our journey Mm -hmm. specifically because, um, you know, you brought up some important points that that many, I think, couples and and women more specifically because it's their, their body. But it's probably, you know, responsibility wise, the most important thing to prepare for in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 
And it's funny or interesting that we often put such little thought into this most important event uh, and future event. A important, because I don't want to dismiss there's lots of women that yeah. don't want to get pregnant, For don't sure. want to have children. Yeah, and... but let's say like you're in a category of women who does want to. Yeah. So in that category of women, this is probably the most important thing that, that you're going to be doing or the most important thing you need to prepare for. Mm -hmm. It's different than preparing for like a marathon right. <laughs> or race or, I don't know, preparing for college. Like this, this the reason is because it's something that, that you live with. Mm -hmm like in home for at least the next 20 years yeah <laughs> maybe longer yes <laughs> depending on how long they're depending with the you culture and everything. Yeah, yeah but it's a big investment uh on the body yeah physically yeah uh but also there's this whole future reality of of what it means to be a parent afterwards mm -hmm. so you know how much of that did you like did you uh maybe tune into and I mean, now be, being a parent, I mean, it's so different if you had that sort of um, future perspective right. going backwards. But if you could sort of like just tune, tap into what it was like uh, in that fertility phase mm -hmm. a little bit more, like what, what were some of the things you were thinking about? Yeah, so I think the, the first time it was, I didn't think about it much because there weren't a lot of women in my life that were having fertility challenges at the time. Um, I don't know. My mom actually didn't share a lot with me, but I'm pretty sure her pregnancies were okay. Like, mm -hmm. I just knew it was going to be okay. Yeah. And we did get pregnant pretty quickly when, as soon as we kind of made the decision that it was time. What I didn't think about leading up to that point was we were traveling for many years. We were living in a country where soy is like predominantly in everything. Mm -hmm. uh, my health wasn't amazing uh, while we were away cough. traveling. I had a chronic cough. Yeah. My hormones were all over the place. Um, we came back, opened our clinic, so there was obvious like stress, there was old stress from, you know, trauma from the past. So I didn't really think about navigating those things before getting pregnant. So I do feel like I, I did a lot of that healing after I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and then seeing, you know, the health challenges that kind sometimes have, has, it was easy for me to blame myself for not mm -hmm. knowing. And so, the birth that we had was quite challenging with him. So what that did for me was kind of show me how challenging it can be and how a lack of information there is out there about how we can prepare our bodies best. And again, not to like play the guilt or shame or blame game um, on moms because we really easily do that to ourselves, mm -hmm. but just to know that there are things that we can do to prepare so that we can have the best outcome that we can wish for and then, you know, release the rest of it too. So I think I thought more about it when I was getting pregnant with Soren about um, nutritionally already we were doing, I was doing better. Um, I think being a mom already it forced me to think about it in a different way. So at that time, though, there were women around me that were having miscarriages. Um, mm -hmm. I was 35 then, so, you know, as soon as you're 35 and older, or older than 35, you're considered a geriatric pregnancy. Right. So then I had all these thoughts of, like, oh, okay, like, my hormones are changing, things are happening, what if it doesn't happen right away? So then all of a sudden what happens is you have this, like, urgency inside of you, like, it, we just have to keep trying, we just have to keep doing it. So I understand when women come to me when they're already in that phase, and I tell them, well, okay, let's you know, give me six months, give me a year mm -hmm. to work on your body. And in their minds, they're just like, no, like, I want this baby 
yesterday. Like yeah. I already want this baby in my arms and I can't think about what I can do to support my body. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to, culturally or society, societally, there's going to be some, some level of panic or pressure that's been put you know, upon the woman. Well, because they're constantly told your yeah. clock is ticking, yeah. you won't be able to get pregnant. And they're told these things as if it's fact, whereas I've seen the opposite happen. And mm -hmm. I know we'll get more into like testing and all those things, but it is a challenge when yeah. people look at you and you're 35 or you're 40 and they're like, oh, you, have, you don't have kids yet. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize there are so many women out there that are going through challenges every single day with their fertility. Yeah. And then, I mean, on top of that, when we had, uh, when we were going in for a second, like the, for the first one, like we mentioned, there were some challenges with pregnancy, ended up being a completely different pregnancy than what we were expecting. Birth. The pregnancy was great. Right, sorry, uh, the actual birth process. Mm -hmm. And the coaching that we got from the mid, our first midwife mm. um, was that, oh, it's going to be, you know, if you want to do vaginal delivery, this is going to be really, really challenging. I would just make sure you're in the hospital. And there's all these criteria. And we got to think about, you know, uh, genetic testing and all these things just because your age. I remember sitting in that conversation with the second, second pregnancy going like, oh, my God, like I'm very stressed thinking about is my wife going to be okay? You know, uh, is, is there going to be more complications because you were doing a, a VBAC, so vaginal birth after cesarean section? Um, I, was, I was in a state of fear for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then we ended up firing that, or we, I don't know if we actually hired that midwife. We had the consult, and then we decided to go with someone else. Uh, somewhere we felt where you could be empowered, I could feel comfortable for you. And we could work with a team that really supported you and didn't really talk about you as a geriatric mm -hmm. <laughs> birthing mom, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I tell women, you know, we have that physiological age and then this chronological age. Yes, chronologically, mm -hmm. you might be over 35, but physiologically, depending on your cell health, depending on your ovaries, depending on your environment, all of those things will determine the health of your pregnancy and yeah. your birth and all those things. Yeah. So... You know, when you when you talk about your diet was better, like if we actually were wound, like your diet was already really good with cayenne. Right. Maybe not by our standards now. Right. <laughs> but going back in time, you, like you were eating healthy by... by well, we were living at my parents' house for that year. Yeah. Right before we conceived. But he healthy means so much different to us now yes. than it did back then. Yes. I mean, I was eating wheat every day. So yeah. yes, I mean, I wasn't saying they're eating fast food or exactly, any of that yeah. it was more like yeah i was having wheat every day because yeah. we were eating traditional indian food every day and there was just so much soy in my diet the year before exactly there was toxicity from the pollution so it's just yeah. because i know those things exactly. influenced my health but yeah. i say that because you know if you're listening most people come into our clinic and they say diet's good mm -hmm. like my diet's good don't worry about it and i always tell them listen i've been working on dietary changes for the last like 20 years mm -hmm. and it keeps improving over time so mm -hmm. where you are right now is probably better than where it was but you know what does good actually mean like uh, organic foods and you know maybe meal timing being aware of snacking and insulin loading and all the things that we talk about now right. you know that wasn't necessarily in our toolkit back then it's definitely not in the toolkit of most people that we work with so uh, getting to an optimally nutritional state for you, you know, mm -hmm. for you as an individual is so important. So definitely there was a lot more preparation getting ready for the second one. Um, but this whole like reality that you went through was really part of like the drive to want to work with mm -hmm. younger women. Actually, you just said this to me the other day. She's like, oh, I'm, 
I really I, I just wish I could just reach more of those women who are in that stage of their life because I've got so much wisdom to share and there's so much to be done before even considering a fertility clinic, for mm -hmm. example. But like, tell me a little bit about that because you're so yeah. passionate about educating young women and it's, you know, yeah. this kind of reality of, of you, you have eggs that, that are, um, we we'll say not degenerate, but ba basically they're, they're there from birth. Mm -hmm. You know, physical eggs, they're from birth. And we're men, we're constantly generating new sperm. Right. So the quality of our sperm really is a corollary to our health. But there's, the eggs were there as you were born. And yeah. talk a little bit about that and, the young, and why it's so important for young women to pay attention. Yeah, yeah you're born with 300 to 400,000 eggs. And um, that reserve will determine how long you are fertile. And so the challenge though is when you're younger, the conditioning or the conversations are all around how do we prevent your pregnancy? Yeah. So we're doing everything and anything we can, whether it's through birth control or just understanding our bodies to make sure that we can prevent it because we're focused on different things at that stage in life. In our 20s, we're focused on our career or schooling or just finding ourselves, healing, all these things that we're doing. The awareness isn't there about our hormones or what's happening in our body and really preparing for our 30s, late 30s or whatever it might be. So the thought just isn't there. So this, that's my challenge in reaching women at that stage because if I say, okay, you know what, let's prepare your body for a pregnancy, they might, well, I don't know if I want children. I don't even mm -hmm. have a partner. I don't, I don't know right. what my life is going to look like. So at the end of the day, the education at that stage is really just about how do we balance your hormones? How do we keep you healthy? How do we do all the things that we do? Because that is what's going to create that optimal environment in your 30s or 40s so that you can have um, children and feel healthy. But the challenge, again, is they come to me when they're already in that state. Maybe they've had a miscarriage or two mm -hmm. or it's taking more time to conceive than they thought it would take or now they're working with a fertility clinic and that's also not working and they're kind of stuck in this space so there there's a challenge there because um when you're already working with a fertility clinic they're already using language that's creating fear so i just in the last couple of weeks have seen several women that have come to me and have said you know they measured my amh which is the anti-malarian hormone which looks at your egg reserve and they're telling me that I don't have any eggs left. I only have a few. I may not even be an IVF candidate. Or if we do do it, it may not work. Um, I'm, I, I'm infertile. Like they're using that kind of language. And where I've seen women that have had low, a low AMH, so basically being told that you don't have enough eggs, that we've been able to change that number. That number doesn't stay stuck in that state. And what this one summary or... Um, study that I read very, very quickly was that um, in 2019, a conversation started to happen that, wait, I think there's more things that are influencing our AMH, like the environment. So it just goes back to what we always talk about, mm -hmm. the toxins in our environment, the diet, the stressors, the traumas, the, the everything will contribute mm -hmm. to that number. So we can't solely look at just that number, but that's what they're doing in the fertility clinics, looking at just that number, not looking at the full picture of how their hormones are actually working or not working so that they can try the other things first before injecting themselves with all these hormones and taking all these hormones that really cause havoc later in life. Mm -hmm. 
You said something super interesting, which I just want to come back to, which relates to this. And you said you spend the first chunk of your life, let's say quarter of your life, preventing pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like what a what an energetic sort of paradox that is yeah. to go from suppress, 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 prevent, shut it down to like, okay, game on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I don't know if you have anything more to add there, but the other thing I also want to say too is that what an interesting conversation I have with young women who don't, like, we changed so much in our 20s, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so much. And I didn't really know what I wanted uh, in my 20s if it was going to relate to what I wanted in my 30s. And so I imagine that it would be really hard for a woman in her early 20s to really like be gung-ho about, yes, I'm going to have kids, it's going to look like this and whatnot. And maybe because they want uh, personal authority or they want to, you know, direct their energy into other areas and they don't have time to think about that. Or maybe it's like, yeah, it's not going to be an issue, so I can think about that later. Mm -hmm. But because of the world that we live in and and what you just mentioned with regards to AMH and and the environmental influence, like what what sort of comes to your mind when we when I, when I bring up that sort of suppression into mm-hmm. like okay now it's on versus where a woman is really at and how yeah. much that perspective changes over time? Yeah, so I think because of that suppression piece, um, there isn't a lot of education or conversation around. So yes, you're taking the birth control pill now, but this is what it's going to deplete in your body. So we want to make sure we support your body so that when time comes and you want to come off your birth control and try for kids, that it won't be such an awful transition. Mm -hmm. So I think as an individual for women, um, I don't know if this is something that's going to change because we women are getting pregnant later and later. Um, Women are more focused on their careers at the time, like you said, wanting more of that Mm -hmm. independence and all of that, which is amazing, I think. And... So it's the challenge, I think, just shows up in when you're going to your doctor and saying, hey, you know, I want the IUD or I want the birth control pill. What can I do to make sure I don't get pregnant because my focus in life right now is my career or whatever it might be. Um, There needs to be more conversation around, Okay, that's fine for this stage. What are you thinking about for your next stage? Is that something that you want? in your future so how can we support you now so that you can have both worlds Mm -hmm. absolutely so you mentioned amh amh is what anti-malarian hormone anti-malarian hormone yeah and this is something that like you said categorically any woman who works with doctors at a fertility clinic they're going to get this number Mm -hmm. and we talked about sort of this uh, mental imprint of prevention or, or suppression and then Okay, great. Now my now I'm ready, so my body therefore has to be has ready to catch up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes it's not the case. Yeah. So this AMH is literally measured in every individual. What are they told if their AMH is low? That it's either going to be challenging to get pregnant yeah. or even do IVF. Um, so they'll check the AMH plus the FSH. So that's the follicle stimulating hormone. Mm-hmm. If FSH is too high. So menopausal women will have high FSH because yeah. now there's no stimulation happening and just that negative feedback loop with the pituitary gland also isn't happening. So if FSH is high, AMH is low, basically you consider that, you know, your chances are really low to yeah. get pregnant. They don't no say infertile age, necessarily. They say oh, infertile. They, they say A infertile. patient that I saw last week, that those were the words that were said to her, right. that she's infertile. So, okay, so wait a second. They're told that they're infertile, and yet they still go forward with a plan. 
Because even the, if they, for example, if the number is like four or five in okay. AMH, they're still going to try. Right. Because there's still something there, but just the chances, because they're trying to stimulate more eggs yeah. to be released. And that's why you'll see with IVF, some people will have twins or yeah. more children just because there's more eggs there. What, do, you, do you know the reference range offhand? So you said four or five. A little offhand. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. So there's, there's I mean, this... it goes to zero once you're in menopause, basically. Okay, well, that's important to know. Yeah. So four or five and maybe twice that or whatever the yeah. number is. Upper, I was trying to sort of figure out what, like a, what a high level, mm -hmm. what a... But anyways. Yeah, like 30 is a good number. Okay. 16 is a good number. Gotcha. Yeah. So four is relatively low yeah. in comparison. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're in this state, they're literally told that they're likely infertile. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just came off of a, a dialogue talking about suppression, prevention, and then, and then let's say you're having challenges, the next thing you're told is you're infertile. Fertile. Like, how do these women feel? Yeah, they feel lost. And yeah. often, you know, I, I talked about guilt and shame, then they started to start feeling guilty, or should I, should I tried sooner? Why was I more focused on my career? Why did I make mm -hmm. these decisions? And why did I take the birth control? Like all these things start to show up and they start to blame themselves for that number. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if we started looking at women from a different perspective and we talk about the hormones, doing a Dutch test, looking at how everything is being utilized in their body and understanding that and what could have influenced that, if we have that conversation first, then she's more in control and feels more empowered of like, okay, I can change what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. I can work on the stress levels that are, you know, maybe navigating this high cortisol, low progesterone. I can work on my environment so I can create an optimal environment to see how my body responds. I mean, a good friend of mine that happened to her, mm -hmm. her FSH was high, AMH was low, was told probably not going to happen. And we detoxed her. We talked a lot about a certain trauma that she had and different stressors. And she has a healthy five-year-old boy right now. Yeah. So I share her story often with women that come to me because I'm like, it's possible. And, you know, it just, sometimes it won't happen. But you need to be told that there's hope because mm -hmm. there is hope. And there's many different factors that will play a role in it all. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So we haven't talked about men in this uh, yeah. story, right? Because a lot of pressure or a lot of um well i mean women are carrying the, the children so there there right. probably is gonna be extra there's pressure like 50 percent contribution we <laughs> have sure. to talk about totally well i just read a little while ago that um so what we didn't define right now is when we're talking about amh and people having challenges or couples having challenges often it's unexplained infertility when you do a scan or like a CT, or sorry, um, an ultrasound, and if you see there's a challenge with the uterus or the fallopian tube um, or any, there's a blockage or something, there, it's explained like, okay, gotcha. you know, like the egg isn't coming down. Of yeah. course, you're not going to get pregnant or there's something going, the sperm is really, you know, low or whatever. But most couples that I see, and I would say one third of the couples that go to fertility clinics, it's unexplained. Mm -hmm. They're ovulating. There's nothing wrong physically. They're blood work is looking okay like everything's looking okay on paper and yet nothing's happening and so out of that the study that was done in the uk they saw 80 percent of those couples it was actually the sperm that was a challenge hmm. so wow. yeah we're not talking to men enough too because yeah. what men do during their especially their puberty years in regards to diet um, environment all of those things are going to play a role in the health of their sperm and the dna of the sperm Definitely, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy because I mean, most of the time when when you're working with uh, women too, I mean, they typically come in with their partner, so you are having these conversations with both. Nope. No, they're not. Mm-mm. Interesting. Not so always. What do you What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. <laughs> so then I have that conversation. Okay, yeah. next visit, I want to see your partner too, mm-hmm. so we can have these conversations yeah. together. Yeah. And I know sometimes you refer the men over to me yeah. as well, and we talk about hormone health and all those things. Yeah. I mean, a lot of men don't realize, uh, maybe because they they don't know, but they may have actual trauma to the testes. So mm-hmm. there could be a varicocele, hydrocele, spermatocele. There could be some, you know, uh, maybe bicycle injury or something else that's actually affecting uh, testosterone production even. Uh, a lot of men, especially in the world that we live in, are insulin dominant and low testosterone. And all of that on top of everything that we talk about is going to influence uh, sperm quality, motility, mm-hmm. morphology. Yeah. All those things are important for so pregnancy. So have you ever, have you talked to men that maybe... The couples are going through a challenge and you're seeing the men and like what are some of the thoughts or processes that they are going through as they're watching like their partner go yeah. through the challenge? Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean obviously like every relationship dynamic is different too, right? Yeah. Um, I think like the thing that you're really great at, especially in these couple discussions, is really talking about the, the underlying stress, really talking about where... Where you're not connecting, like, and maybe, like, you, I know we've talked about this too, where patients, the man's not really interested in having a, a baby, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe it's vice versa, but let's take the example, which seems to happen a little bit more often. The man's not. I just in- didn't ask you. <laughs> I was like, this is happening. <laughs> I, right. I, I, I mean, I knew when we got married, like, yeah. it, was, it was going to happen <laughs> at some point. But I mean, there's, there's literally, we've had conversations where, the man is like not necessarily interested and they're not really involved. They're not showing up to the visits. They're not, you know, and maybe to their, to their, you know, on their side, maybe they're just busy with work or what have you. But, um, you know, what's it like for, for those women who really see the lack of engagement from their partner and lack of interest? And it does feel like you it's on the shoulders. You affected my question. I did? How? I asked you how men feel watching their partner. Oh yeah. Okay. So through. do you want me to go there? Yeah. Do, okay. I'll go there first. So, uh, I mentioned there's this emotional side. Are are they actually creating connection? Um, But I always talk about this from a hormone perspective with men. And so we talk about what I just mentioned, like testicular trauma, um, how they're feeling about, you know, being a father potentially. Like, is there any, you know, is there any like heavy energy around like not feeling like you want to commit to that right now? Or like, where are you at in your career even? Like, there can be so many different reasons for why maybe they're not involved. Most men that we talk to, are right there on the same page though. They're mm-hmm. they absolutely want to do whatever they can, and they're. It definitely there's stress in the relationship though that gets created when they're in. Did you want me to keep answering? Oh yeah, sorry, you, know? you can finish. I just had a thought. <laughs> okay, hold that thought. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last thing I just want to say was like like you said, nutritionally, mm-hmm. that's big. And then we put uh, men on a particular sub- supplementation stack that supports energy, motility, you know, morphology, all the things uh, that that mm-hmm. can make a man more. Uh, fertile. Okay. okay, so go ahead. Well, so now to bring them together, mm-hmm. um, something that I've talked to a lot of couples about is just how it changes intimacy for them. Right. Because then the focus becomes so much so around producing. fertility and yeah. producing and not actually connecting. Yeah. And so some of the feet. <laughs> Some of the feedback that I have received is that they feel like it's just a job now yeah. and they're not actually connecting with one another. And so that creates some sort of like challenge in their communication and just how they're connecting because 
Um, the women that I work with are just so focused on mm -hmm. that and that's all that they can see. And I understand that because yeah. I've, I've been there. Like you get so tunnel vision. I think that's the only time in life where women are actually really focused on that one thing. And that's all they can think or see at that time that it's very easy for us too to get lost in that process mm -hmm. and not really see that, okay, so maybe... There's another person here. There's another person here. It's not fun anymore. It's more like a job. Okay, you know, the, my LA strip said there's two lines here. Let's get yeah. this done. Yeah. It's more about that than actually connecting. Yeah, what an interesting time in a couple's life, right? Mm -hmm. Like retroactively, like if that was the case, I, I think I would be excited. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, we but we didn't challenges have challenges getting pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. So like when you're actually in it... Yeah. It can feel like you can almost objectify the other person to some degree in the sense that they're a machine, you're a machine, you're completing a machine oriented Again, task. Again, the sense I'm getting from you is that you wouldn't actually mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like we're all at different stages in our life. Right. So because I never had to go through it, I, don't, I can't relate to it. Right. But if that was the case, I wouldn't complain right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. But uh, there's too much information yeah. maybe. But the, the point being is that... that you can see each other more as like focused on that pro product, like you said. And mm -hmm. so how does that conversation go? Because that's mm -hmm. not a conversation I've actually had with mm -hmm. couples. Maybe you have. Yeah. So when I start working with women, I will try to look at the bigger picture, like try to change the intention behind mm -hmm. why they're working with me. It's like, yes, the end product hopefully ends up being that you get pregnant but let's serve your body, mm -hmm. let's serve the relationship, let's serve this, because what we're doing is we're changing the environment. So a lot of my education around fertility is the environment and the environment that the egg is in, the mitochondria there, and how do we support it on a cellular level, but then how do we also support it on this macro level to support your nervous system, to support you so you're healthy when you are carrying that baby. Mm -hmm. And so even when I'm working with pregnant women, like I'm talking to them in that moment, but I'm actually really talking to them about what postpartum is going to look like. So it's the same thing with women that want to conceive. We're talking about conception, but I'm also thinking about when you do get pregnant, because I'm planting that language too. I'm not saying if, I'm like, when you get pregnant, you know, your body has to be in a certain state of health so that you can provide the nutrition for the fetus, but also have enough left for you. Mm -hmm. So we just change the conversation and when they're ready to receive that then all of a sudden there's this like i can even feel them like exhaling like okay there's like different answers there's different ways of looking at this and i'm gonna try my best here and then see what happens like mm -hmm. there's a real shift in energy all of a sudden of like um not them not blaming themselves anymore or in this like state of fear but like oh okay there is hope there's other things i can look at and then we'll see what the next step is right so, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of a good time to sort of talk a, a little bit more specifically about what you've seen successful, yeah. you know, um, uh, scenarios that support fertility. Yeah. You know, one off the top hits, hits close to home is just nutritional upgrade, right? Yeah. Just massively like getting the right fatty acids, amino acids and things like that into the body in someone who's maybe not on the best diet and under yeah. stress and all those things, how yeah. much that can make a difference. For sure, like yeah. simple things, like the oils that you're consuming, like are you eating out a lot? Yeah. You know, I'll change that right away um, so that they're getting the healthy fats in them. Like how much protein are you getting? Like are you actually getting enough food? Um, are you eating with your cycle? Like so educating them on that too. So 
as soon as they start getting this like basic nutrition, it's like let's, we're not even looking at keto, fasting, any of that. It's like let's just do a whole foods diet. Yeah. Make sure you're not eating thing, anything from a package. Everything's whole foods, really good oils, and like simply that will change their trajectory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, little yeah. things that we did too, just. We did B12 shots on each other. You started taking... Uh, I did IVs every week. You did IVs every week. So, I mean, we have access to that. Yeah. It's different. So, and uh, you were taking prenatal quite early on, too. Mm -hmm. um, I was taking a good multi. And, you know, so we were doing things specifically to just increase the macronutrients. Yeah. And increase the micronutrients specifically. Yeah. And then what are some other things like maybe acupuncture? What, what else have you seen that, that's yeah, been supportive? Yeah, acupuncture is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then detoxing. So mm -hmm. every woman, if I can catch her before, and if she can give me at least three to six months of like not actively trying, yeah, then we do detox. And what often happens, we start the detox, they get pregnant on month two, yeah. and then we have to stop the detox, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, but that's happened actually a handful of times just in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, so then detox is a huge part of it because we're cleaning the environment. Mm -hmm. So whatever we can do to clean the environment through nutrition, through taking supplements to detoxify. And then the other biggest part for me, the work that I do, is the nervous system and the stress piece. Yeah. Because we, like we talked about in our progesterone conversation, if cortisol is high, progesterone is low. So those women that are having multiple miscarriages, we're really looking at progesterone because progesterone is the one that's containing the pregnancy mm -hmm. and implantation. So... Once that happens, we want to make sure progesterone stays nice and high. Yeah, and that was one of the themes that we wanted to carry through this conversation, right? It was yeah. really understanding that as a result of everything we discussed the last couple podcasts, that that really addressing progesterone. And and yeah. you said that most of the women that are coming in from these fertility clinics, they haven't even done a, like a thorough assessment. So no. what does like a thorough testing assessment look like? And where's that gap that yeah. maybe some of those women are missing? Yeah, so some of them are coming in, they have their AMH done, they'll maybe do their FSH and LH, mostly they will. Thyroid, do they check? Not really. Not really. Um, sometimes Which is a hugely they'll do estradiol right. and sometimes they'll do progesterone. So it also, I think it probably depends on who they're seeing. But this last uh, patient that I was talking to, they didn't even look at her progesterone. Mm -hmm. They were looking at it after they, she started taking the DHEA and, yeah. the, and the hormones. So when I think about thorough testing, for me, it's the Dutch test so that we can see how your body's actually mobilizing and utilizing all your hormones, a full thyroid panel. So we want to see what your immune system is also doing because mm -hmm. another element that we didn't really speak to with um, unexplained infertility, sometimes there's immune reactions going on. Yeah. And, we, and there's more studies that have been done in Europe and in Europe they're using LDN and we used it on one patient too that really helps support her get pregnant. So, um, what's the long name of LDN? Uh, Low-dose naltrexone. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, that's been really helpful. Um, so, we want to look at the full thyroid. I want to look at vitamin D. And then levels. in the thyroid, just to say, like, you're specifically looking at autoimmune markers. Autoimmune markers, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, vitamin D levels. I'm looking at C-reactive protein. I'm looking at homocysteine. So, mm -hmm. then we're looking at their B6, B12. Glutathione. Folic acid. Yeah, yeah, glutathione. So, we're doing, like, yeah, lots of testing to see what could be supported more so that we're, again we're creating an optimal environment other tests that i'll do is like heavy metal testing um, organic acid testing to see their mitochondria health because yeah. we have way more mitochondria in the ovaries than anywhere else in the body yeah yeah the nutrival test is actually great too because it looks at mitochondrial health organic acids right. micronutrient macronutrient deficiencies yeah. toxicity screen so there's a lot of things that are available to women and yeah. most 
women and men, couples that come in, they have no idea that yeah. all these things are available to them. And so then if they get stamped with that yeah. infertile or low chances of fertility, that can be really overwhelming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so my hope is before you go to a fertility clinic, and I'm not, and I know there's been lots of success stories oh, with tons. fertility clinics, yeah, so yeah, many, yeah. and so I'm not bashing fertility clinics, but I just think there's missing links, especially with the unexplained yeah. infertility. So try these things before, like really try to understand your body so that you, you there are more answers than just taking those hormones. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed this conversation. As, as we were going through this discussion on fertility and related to low progesterone and all these other things, it uh, just made me realize like... That you want another baby? They want another baby and... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but just how much uh, our entire world is focusing on that. Uh, and may, let me say this in maybe another way. I remember talking to maybe the hypnobirthing lady or one of, one of our coaches during this process, could have been a midwife. They said, you're going to put in an incredible amount of focus on this, but really like the real work happens once the kids are yeah. here, right? Yeah. And it's been so interesting to be on the other side of things and, and just recognize that, you know, even if there is challenge now, how do we sort of release some of that stress, mm -hmm. some of that expectation and just maybe, mm -hmm. you know, just move into trust a little bit more because um, there's so much changes so fast, right? Yeah, and to reiterate what you were saying before about this being like one of the most important times in your life, I think it, not necessarily in our life, it's like how are we moving the generations forward. For sure. And the only way to do that is to create this environment so that we can be that vessel for that next generation. And just seeing all, I mean, we didn't even talk about this, all the challenges we see in kids that yeah. maybe didn't have an environment that they need. So like we, we see all the health repercussions of that so we want to make sure we can create those environments so that we can move yeah the generations forward or else if one in three couples are having fertility challenges i don't know yeah yeah what, what does the future hold yeah, right what does it look like? yeah so important conversation hopefully you guys enjoyed it uh for conversations like this and much more please join our health ignited club where we dive into stuff like this in a group setting we do a little teaching and then we have an incredible sharing circle at the end where we get to learn from one another in a more deep uh, and profound kind of way. So that's at drjensen.com and you can look for the Health of the Ignited Club on, on that website. So we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.